Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, Linda. Hello, Emily. All right, we're here on the In the Crease podcast. And Linda, I'm going to start with story time because I got to do something kind of cool this week. Um, Monday morning, I got on a flight at 6 a.m. to get to Columbus, Ohio. And it was under the premise, or at least Rick Nash believed it was under the premise, that I was going to interview him for a Legends in the Game series where, like, we were talking about players doing something great. So the PR staff sets up us in a room, and we have this 20-minute interview and honestly, Linda, it was like a pretty good interview. I wanted to live somewhere, uh, but it was all fake because afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I have you, to jump in here. For those who don't know about the great Rick Nash, you're right. former number one overall pick for the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, uh, just now in management, I believe he's in the scouting area for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, he's on pace probably to be an assistant GM one of these days and who knows. So kudos to him, but continue with your story. Yeah. Well, that's the part of the story too. And in our interview, we get into it because, you know, he was so synonymous with that franchise. He won an MVP with them. He was, you know, their first number one pick and he led them. And then he asked for a trade and he hated the way it was talked about afterwards because he goes to the Rangers for six years. He ends his career in Boston. And, you know, the couple of years he came back, he got booed every time that he had the puck. So it was cool to see him come back. He's now um, in a player development role. Anyway, we do this fake interview and then uh, we keep him mic'd up because we're like, oh, ESPN just wants to shadow you and see what you do for a day. And we take him into the locker room and in the locker room is Yarmo Kikalina, the GM, John Davidson, the president, the entire front half, the staff of the Columbus Blue Jackets, the entire team. And then a video plays from the owner and they say Rick Nash's jersey, 61, is going to be retired in Columbus. And then Rick's mom, his wife, Jessica, his kids come out and it was a super emotional moment. And it was just really unique to be there. So cool. So he was totally surprised. He didn't know the family was going to be there on that day. Nothing. No, nothing. And it's funny because in our interview, I asked him, you know, your best moments as a blue jacket and your worst moments as a blue jacket. <laughs> and then after the day, uh, you know, we uh, I meet him in the hallway and he's like, you know, I want to change my answer. This is my best day as a blue jacket. Oh, very cool. Awesome. And, you know, anyone who the, the younger listeners who, who may not remember the younger Rick Nash and those great days, early Columbus Blue Jackets, just go to YouTube. Before there was Connor McDavid going end to end with mm -hmm. taking goals, breakaways, making defenders and goalies look silly. There was Rick Nash, tremendous speed. And, you know, growing up, he was actually a pudgy kid. You'd never know it, but my goodness, he turned into an amazing hockey player. Congrats to Rick Nash, 61, raised to the rafters in Columbus. Yeah, and one of the things I think about it is cool is like he just kept mentioning, I'm just a kid from Toronto, right? And he comes to Columbus and he has no allegiances there and he's drafted there so you don't get to choose, but he really made it his own and he made it his home and he identified with the franchise. And I feel like so many times fan bases fall in love with players and you just hope the player loves you back. 
And I think it's really gratifying for those fans in Columbus who haven't had much success, let's be honest, um, to have someone who's legendary as Rick Nash, as noted as Rick Nash in the league, say like, hey, I believe in you guys too, and I want to help build you up, and this is where I want to raise my family. Well, let's talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're one of these teams off to an amazing start, seven and three, I think, as we speak. Um, did Rick talk about that with you or what do you think is one of the reasons? Because, you know, we t- we talk about these surprise teams and there were plenty in the NHL early on. Columbus just, you know, most of us thought they were going to be at the bottom of the barrel. One of the worst teams in the league this year with their rebuild. Yeah. You know, what I think the most interesting thing about them is I was there at the draft and that was, you know, one of the most transformative days in franchise history. They trade away Seth Jones the next day where they get rid of Cam Atkinson. Uh, you know, they have all these first round picks. They get Cole Stillinger, this teenager who's now made the lineup and looking yeah. really, really good. He's not looking like a teenager. And the thing I think about that team, if you ask anyone in the league, what are the Columbus Blue Jackets and what is Jarmo Kikalainen? The word that would come up is conviction. He is a GM who knows exactly his point of view and exactly his path. And um, I don't know if he knew it was going to happen this quickly, but I don't think I could say that about most teams in the league, Linda, that they know exactly where they're going in five years. I do feel like the Columbus Blue Jackets ripped off the Band-Aid, said this is the rebuild we need. And they've just hit on so many of the young players stepping up already, like Cole Sillinger, um, Patrick Laine. It's really nice to see him find his form again. He looks like he's enjoying playing hockey. Um, and Elvis Merzlikens is just playing out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, considering you mentioned Seth Jones, uh, you know, no Cam Atkinson, who's finding a great home in Philadelphia. You know, that was a big loss to their special teams and just their exuberance. And so, you know, kudos to Columbus. Uh, You know, Friday, it could be probably one of the games of the week that we look at. Friday, they play, they host the Washington Capitals. And those two are neck and neck in the Metropolitan Division, separated by two points as we speak. So that's going to be a huge early game. Who would have saw that coming? That's what I mean, right? I mean, that you know, Columbus is in fourth, Washington is in third. Let's talk about Washington and Alex Ovechkin. Oh, my goodness. We knew he'd still keep scoring. But I did not think he would be scoring at this rate this early. You know, whatever he's doing, sign me up. I mean, it's been great. He's he's uh, he's that close to Brett Hull, and then up and now it's like Yarmer Yager up the food chain of the all time scoring list. Emily, uh, you know anything you can add about that? I mean, I'm just like loving, loving what Obi's doing, and he's like reminding everyone, yeah, uh, I'm in it to win it, meaning the Gretzky all time scoring record. Yeah, no, he's so just charged right now. Like, I feel like he's just a man on a mission and the team honestly looks good. And I think it's, you know, a couple of things. One, it's great to see Evgeny Kuznetsov. I kind of put him in that Patrick Lina group of like supreme talent, but sometimes it's all going up in their head and it just doesn't translate on the ice. But he's starting to look like himself again. Um, And they've got all these young guys you know, that are stepping up in the same way that the Columbus Blue Jackets are. I was a little disappointed for them to see the Hendrick LaPierre kid go back down to juniors. I was having a fun time because for so long, there was just no injection of youth on this team. And here was a kid that it felt like the veterans were really latching onto. It looked like he could play, uh, but they don't seem to want to burn his first year entry-level contract. So he looks like he's going to be the juniors for the time being. And they're doing it without, uh, you know, Backstrom, his good buddy, and they're doing it without TJ Oshie, both injured. And that's what's really remarkable. But, you know, Ovechkin, always comfortable in his office, always comfortable on the power play, finding ways to put the puck in the net and that caps are in playoff position as we speak. So I think that's pretty cool. And I, and, and that's just such a bonus for this year in the national hockey league 
to have Alex Ovechkin, you know, we pumped up this guy, obviously in the off season, this is going to be one of the things we all, all the media was like watching how close can Alex Ovechkin get at his age, you know, come on, is he really going to catch Gretzky? And here he's off to this torrid start. And uh, don't look now, Austin Matthews, the reigning Rocket Richard winner. Hey, Alex Ovechkin is on pace to maybe grab another one of those trophies as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. The thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs is firstly, he doesn't start the season. And that first game he played back, did you watch it? Oh, he was yes. like buzzing. Like any time that the puck was remotely close, he was taking a shot. Like it wasn't even on his stick yet. Um, and he knew that he was just going to come out guns a blazing because he's so motivated to build off of what he did last year. Um, and it sucks to start the season on the bench. But what's And they're the motivated and they're motivated because of the disaster of the postseason losing and hearing the whispers. He, oh, it's paid so much. We're talking about Austin Matthews yep. for one, you know, get paid so much money and, and not contributing and not finding a way to win a playoff series. Completely. And like, you know, I wrote about over the summer when I did that big piece on Austin, but the truth is he'll never unlock that superstardom level in the NHL until he wins a team championship. And he knows that. Anyway, the thing about this team, though, is they're the only team with three players or three forwards making at least $10 million. And they got Willie Nylander making seven. It's always about these high paid guys. Like you were saying in the playoffs, it was where's Austin Matthews? Where's Mitch Marner? Well, they just went on this insane streak where the only people scoring were their big players like John Tavares and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. And it showed, you know, you need depth players to score. And Andre Kashe finally did get a goal to break that streak. Um, but it's nice to see these guys, at least at this point of the season, feel un unencumbered. That said, I do wonder what their future holds, Linda, because they signed Morgan Riley, which surprised a lot of people. And it's like, ooh, does that portend not keeping one of these forwards next season? Yeah, when I saw that, I thought the same thing. Uh, Morgan Riley... Any team in the National Hockey League would love a Morgan Riley. I think they had to sign him, and I think that was the kind of money. I mean, all that money being tossed around for great defensemen. We saw what Adam Fox got, the reigning Norris Trophy winner. You know, I knew Toronto had to be reactive, you know, very slowly with their streaking uh, play of late. The Leafs are closing the gap a bit on the Florida Panthers, who hit, you know, a couple of potholes. It's a four-point, you know, uh, Toronto's in second they place. They hit the New Jersey Devils. That's what they hit this week. Yeah, who I absolutely love. This is one of my, you know, you think, oh, Linda, you're a Ranger fan. You know, listen, come on. Emily's a Ranger fan, too. We don't, we, those are the, you know, we, we, as kids, we love, as teenagers, we love the Rangers, blah, blah, blah. There's always your favorite team. It's always close to your heart. But my gosh, I love watching the New Jersey Devils. You know, as we speak, Dougie Hamilton was skating this morning with the team. Uh, you know, Devils are in action Thursday night. Uh, against the Islanders. Um, and so uh, they've been putting the puck in the net. P.K. Subban is playing well of late. He's like, you know, he told me last week, Emily, that uh, he loves being a devil. And it's not just words. He said for the first time, he told me, I really feel comfortable being a New Jersey devil. And this was before the recent victories, okay, that they had put together. So, you know, I think they're figuring it out. Let's face it, they missed Jack Hughes. They're getting hopefully Dougie Hamilton back Thursday night as we speak, uh, you know, and, and they don't have Miles Wood. Yeah. And Ty Smith looked like he was struggling a bit, but he scored that other night too. And I think he, I think he had three points the other night. So he might be finding his form. And one of these teams, you know, we were getting back to the Atlantic division. I know we kind of switched gears, went to the devils and the Metro um, for good reason. They deserve it. Uh, and I said, Florida, you know, had a few hiccups, learning experience for Andrew Burnett behind the bench. You know, it's not, you know, just come behind the bench and replace Q and then, all right, we'll just win. And then he won it early on. And then, 
you know, they, they're figuring out some things, but Florida is still the real deal, still in first place uh, with a 10-2-1 record. Toronto, 8-5-1, thanks to their recent win streak. But Detroit, we were talking to, about them off air. You know, again, one of these surprise teams, we talked earlier about Columbus. The Red Wings, what they're doing is, is truly amazing. They're in playoff position in the Atlantic ahead of Tampa Bay, the two-time defending cup champs. Uh, and they're doing it with, uh, you know, their leading scorer most of the time, Tyler Bertuzzi, on a part-time basis when they can't go play in Canada because he's not vaccinated. It's, it's honestly, it's surreal to even say that out loud. But again, I feel like I I'm sound like a broken record at this point. But the reason they're doing so well is because their young players are stepping up. And all of a yeah. sudden, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider, and you're like, wow, there's players to build around that are not named Dylan Larkin and Dylan Larkin is still there. And I love Dylan Larkin as a player and a leader. I really believe in him, but you know, one of my uh, favorite sources from when I covered the NFL, he's a big Red Wings fan and he's always texting me, um, you know, trying to get insight. And it's honestly been tortured when I get his text the last three years. I'm like, I don't know, Mike, I don't know when they're going to be good again. I don't know. I don't know. And finally he was texting me this week and he was like, I'm having so much fun watching them. And I was like, I do really feel like they finally turned a corner. Yeah, as long as you're talking about Detroit and people who love the Red Wings who are coming out of the woodwork, uh, my good friend and yours, uh, used to work for ESPN, now with NFL Network, who is just the smartest person in the room, in any room, Cynthia Freeland is a big, oh. big, big Red Wings fan, and she is just pumped up uh, for what she sees. And right, you got to set her up with my buddy Mike then. There you go. It's perfect. All right. We'll work on that matchmaker. Um, so, you know, here's the thing. We were talking about the Devils. And as we speak Thursday night, you know, I'm just pumped up for Nico. He's sure. I know I'm a big fan. I'm like a fangirl with him. I just think he's amazing. He's not the youngest captain of the league. He's the second youngest. Brady Kachuk is the youngest uh, for Ottawa. But um, his mentor... Who taught him how to be a great captain? And Nico, he sure is a great captain. And he's learning at this stage is Andy Green. And those he will see Andy Green tonight. Devils Islanders Thursday night. Uh, he could when he I spoke with Nico, he sure uh, when he was in town to face the Kings. Uh, he couldn't say enough about Andy Green and what he meant to him when he was a rookie, when he was a second year player. Andy Green, of course, was the longtime captain for the New Jersey Devils. And what Andy Green, when he wasn't contributing on the ice, how he helped his team win in other ways, how he helped his team mentally in other ways. And, and that, that was taken to heart by Nico Heischer. So I just want to uh, make that point because I just feel sometimes, you know, this Emily, by talking to these players, you know, you just sort of like, huh, I wonder what they're thinking about tonight. And I'm thinking to myself today is, oh, wow, Nico Heischer, devil's playing Andy Green and the Islanders. I'd love to be like, you know, a fly on the wall in that conversation and how things are going when they meet at center ice at warmups or in the, in, you know, in the hallway between dressing rooms. Yeah, I talked to Charlie McAvoy about that two years ago uh, when he had to face Zdeno Chara for the first time. And Zdeno Chara was the mentor for Charlie McAvoy when he was a young kid getting into this league. And it was always the two of them together. And Charlie always said it was more like a coach-player relationship rather than a teammate-teammate. Like, that's just, there were so many learning moments. And yeah, when Zdeno then signed with the Washington Capitals last year, and he was just saying, like, it was surreal to see him on the ice across from him, but also, like, he wanted to root for him so much to the point where the second the game was over, he looked at the box score and he asked for the score sheet and he just wanted to see the ice time for Zdeno because Zdeno wasn't happy with the role that Boston was going to give him. And he knew he still could play. And Charlie was just like, I was just so happy. He was getting the minutes that he wanted. And it's just really unique to see those type of relationships that exist in the league because there's so many of them. 
Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about adversity and this year and the challenges that the NHL, all professional sports leagues face, obviously with COVID-19 and and outbreaks and the Ottawa Senators right now are dealing with that. There are eight players uh, in COVID-19 protocol. They have a game against the Kings. Uh, as we speak, there was uh, uncertainty whether the game will be played. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the game should be postponed, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the San Jose Sharks had to deal with their own uh, eight cases, seven cases of players in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, whether they have it, whether they don't, they're in protocol. This is why you have an American Hockey League team, okay? You find a way to get those guys there and you play the NH and the NHL game. So there was talk earlier in the day about this game being postponed and blah, blah, blah. That's not fair to the LA Kings, okay? And the, the game should be played. So I feel very strongly about that. That's why we have an AHL, which leads to a bigger picture. And we were talking about this um, earlier off, you know, off mic regarding, all right, we had two huge cases now in this league, Sharks, Ottawa. They're all following their protocols. It has nothing to do with that and having this adversity back 19. Right. They're all vaccinated. Right, Emily. So what's going to happen in Beijing in just a matter of months? So I know there's like a lot of people who are wondering because the NHL has an opt out date of January 1st, where even though they've agreed to send players to the Olympics, they can tell the IOC, oh, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us. We don't want to go. And I asked around the league this week, honestly, selfishly, because I think I'm going to Beijing. So I just want to know these answers. Oh, exciting. I know. I have to figure out how to get there, but that's another topic. <laughs> there's just no Google Just yeah, Google okay. it. Oh, good tip. Good tip. Um, anywho, I asked someone at the league, I'm like, what is the threshold? You know, like, what would it take for you guys to pull out? And the person said, look, you know, our stance, we don't think it's a good idea to go, but the players do. We agreed with the players to let them and out of good faith, we've got to see that through. And unless enough games are canceled, where it really messes up our schedule that we're going to have a hard time finishing, we're going to go. And so that to me is like a situation like we had with the Canucks at the end of last year where they're right. they had to pause for over a week and their schedule got, you know, totally pushed back. Canadians, then, Canadians had a big issue. Correct. Correct. If we get into those type of issues, I think we're going to have a conversation. But as long as the situation in Ottawa stays at bay and, you know, maybe one game is postponed, I don't think that's going to have the ripple effect to not send players. So still looking really promising for NHL players to go to the Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, once these players wrap their head around something like this, they've already been planning. They're already been pitching. You know, when we back in the day, back in the day, late September, mid-September, when we had uh, media days uh, in Chicago and uh, Drew Doughty uh, was one of the guys we talked with, John Gibson, one of the guys. Remember we Doughty's with. hilarious quote when I said, what's one thing you've read about yourself online that's not true? And he goes, that I'm not going to make the Olympic team. That's to my point, Emily. That's what I'm saying. It's already in his head. That was just, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like they are pumped up. This is a mission. Sure, in their respective teams, they want to win a cup. But it's like the light is in their eye when it comes to playing for your country. And we are talking and sharing this podcast on Veterans Day. And I want to just take the moment to thank all who have served and all who have given everything to serve and protect our country and keeping our country free. You know, in Canada, it's Remembrance Day. Here in the States, it's Veterans Day. And we'd, we'd be nowhere. We would not have this opportunity to talk hockey or do anything. You know, again, uh, thank you. Well, well said. I'm thinking of both of my grandparents who served in World War II. They were adorable. My grandpa Aww. was a pilot and my grandma was a nurse in the Navy. Um, okay. 
I want to talk quickly as we end this on the serious topic that did happen in the league this week, which is Bob Murray, the longtime GM of the Anaheim Ducks. He has been there since 2008. He is so synonymous with that team. Of course, a longtime former player with many teams, including the Blackhawks, um, was forced to resign. And basically what happened, Linda, um, it's he resigned and had to go to rehab. Um, there were allegations of verbal abuse. Um, he definitely has dependency issues with alcohol that became clear, right. but how this all began is fascinating because after the Kyle beach scandal with the Chicago Blackhawks, the NHL sent a memo out to teams and basically said, if you know of any abuse, you've got to report it to us. And um, that memo went to everyone. And they say, look, you can call Gary Bettman or Bill Daly, or we've got this anonymous tip line. And once some people in the Anaheim ducks organization got that memo, they started thinking and they said, you know, the way Bob Murray behaves around here is not appropriate. And there's a lot of incidents that not just this year, but date back years that just aren't good. They're toxic workplace and it all involves verbal abuse. It's nothing physical, but um, someone called into that tip line and the ducks took it seriously and they hired investigation and there was enough evidence early in that investigation to suggest Bob Murray was not fit for this role. Bob Murray met with Henry Samueli, the uh, owner of the ducks on Wednesday, and it resulted with Bob Murray resigning. I'm told that Henry Samueli is going to pay for the rehab of Bob Murray. Um, but the truth is, he's gone. And this is kind of a byproduct. I think I can confidently say it is a byproduct of Kyle Beach. Hey, you know what, that's excellent information and reporting. Because when I was listening to you talk about this, there was a part of me that was like, kudos to the Anaheim Ducks. Kudos to the NHL, better late than never, to provide an opportunity for players, for management to speak out if there is wrongdoing, if there is to a toxic workplace that they have to deal with and have a place to go. And this isn't a result of that. This is an example of that. And what happened to Kyle Beach was horrific. But again, if we can get more and more positivity out of this, so things like this won't happen again, but this was handled so well. So a place to talk, a place to share the negativity and say something's not right. And then the results and the action, there was no pause there. There was the ducks taking, taking charge here and saying, I'm, we're going to do an investigation. And then the resignation. There's no, in the old days, meaning last week, <laughs> right? Yeah. They would be like, well, let me see. Well, I don't know. Let me hear from other people. Always understand the urgency now. Correct. And honestly, I hope Bob Murray gets the help he needs. And if this is an inflection point in his life, that would be amazing. Um, so Agreed. that's the latest with the Ducks. Um, Who are flying. Obviously a challenging time. I know because they look kind of good right now. They are good. Power play is in the, their power play. I, I know I, I, I'm a broken record. Remember when we had records? Uh, a broken no, record. I, mean, I don't. Certainly, I really don't. I know you don't. You know, it's cool to get some vinyl. The album covers were precious. Some artwork, cool Emily. Artwork. Okay. 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 But um, seriously, I don't mean to yell at you, Emily. Emily got me flowers for my birthday, by the way. May I share that? And they're so beautiful. I took a picture. I sent it. I posted. Thank you, Emily. You're you're an amazing human. Um, and I really appreciate you. But let's get back to the ducks. 
I said, they said, what kind of vibe? I called the florist and they're like, what type of vibe is she? And I was like, or what type of vibe of flowers? I was like, I don't know, something positive and cheery. So they gave you sunflowers and lilies. Yes, and it was. And I was uh, smiling from ear to ear. So definitely cheery. And, uh, but anyway, all right, enough about the ducks. Let's talk about my birthday. Uh, It was great. I ate a lot of food, mostly Italian food, because usually I don't have that on a daily basis. If I did, I'd have a problem. Uh, You know, God, you know, God forbid. But the point is this homemade pasta. And then of course, pancakes. Pancakes are always my go-to for breakfast. My daughter, Sammy, took me out for dinner and breakfast, stayed over at my new place. We had great family time. Amazing. But pancakes, the original pancake house, and I'm not plugging them because I didn't get anything for free. They did give me uh, for my birthday a, a lit candle with on a chocolate chip pancake. Like I needed Ooh. more, Emily, after I had the Dutch baby pancake, which if you don't know what that is from the original pancake house, just look, look it up. Uh, I took a picture of it, it was posted. It was, it was ridiculous. It was amazing. Um, and then I had more Italian food uh, my birthday night. Uh, and just great. And you would appreciate this, Miss Wine Connoisseur. I had some, I don't know the names, but every time I want, I don't drink a lot. And I, and when I do, I do have a glass of Pinot Noir. So each dinner that I had for my birthday, which lasted two days, not one, I had a wonderful glass of Pinot Noir with my meal. So California of you. I love it. Where are you? So you're vacationing. I am. I flew into Berkeley last night or San Fran. Um, I have one of my high school friends is getting her MBA at Berkeley. So we're spending a day here, going to San Francisco. And then for the weekend, I did zero planning, which is the best part (laughs) about it. Um, We are going to a cabin uh, in the middle of Sonoma County and just drinking wine and relaxing. Tremendous. And by the way, for those who don't know, uh, I've seen Emily on Around the Horn or many other, uh, The Point, everything she is between the benches. Let me just say, Emily, you could have walked on that campus in Berkeley and fit right in. I'm serious. Unbelievable. Incredible. How you doing, fellow kids? I'm serious, Emily. That is great. Take that as a compliment. Okay, I You am. would also be the smartest person on campus, but you would fit right in. So there you go. You're going backwards in time. AJ. Love it. Thanks, okay. Linda. My pleasure. The truth. Fact. Okay, before we let you go, we want you all to go please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears, he's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, Perk, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.